0: Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, how AI will make its way into
1: everyone's lives. If we have kids and grandkids, you know that they actually will never have a driver's license. The the transportation industry as a whole is a $10 trillion market opportunity that will be transformed by artificial intelligence.
0: Regular listeners of the show know that the growth of artificial intelligence technologies is of great interest to me. We've talked in the past about its implications for our society and heard about commercial applications. Well, the federal government is getting into the act as well in a big way, and we wanted to talk about some of those issues and opportunities with the local expert. We've asked Anthony Robbins, VP, North American Public Sector, NVIDIA, to share his experiences working on bringing AI technology into the government educational entities. Anthony, thanks for joining us.
1: I'm pleased to be here. Thank you.
0: Well, I've been, as as I mentioned in the lead-in, I've been thinking about this. I'm very interested in, in technology generally, Tell us about the government sector. There's been a lot of talk around IT modernization, but it's not as well known what's going on in the commercial sector and entrepreneurial community.
1: Unpack that for us. What's going on exactly? There's a lot going on in artificial intelligence and across the federal government. And, of course, as we all know, artificial intelligence is one of the most transformative technology transformations to come into the federal government. In February of this year, the the federal government assigned into law the executive order on artificial intelligence and so while not actually a law has the power of law so as as a result there's been a bunch of uh, focus on use cases across the federal government on how they can bring artificial intelligence into serve uh, provide improvement in citizen services uh, just in september michael kratzios the cto of uh, the federal government announced a billion dollars to go into research and development you know a year before that DARPA through AI Next announced 2 billion dollars in funding for AI Next which was you know a program that's going to fund you know 85 different initiatives across 5 years for DARPA to bring AI to the Department of Defense the DOD CIO has announced it a priority and on and on and so, so the point is artificial intelligence has significant momentum across the federal government and there's really great opportunities for us to drive down the cost, over the overall cost of government, and improve citizen services by use of artificial
0: so intelligence. So let's delineate that a bit because I think that people who don't spend a lot of time around AI will spend a lot of time confusing what I would call the development of general intelligence, the idea of thinking machines, whether they're conscious or not, vis-a-vis specific intelligence, the ability to do a repetitive task of greater, greater complexity, better or faster than a human being. My impression is that what we have now is within the government, we have both kinds of activity going on. When I think about DARPA, I think more about specialized intelligence, a high level or general intelligence. And when I think about government and citizen service, I tend to think about specific intelligence and doing things more, more effectively. Is, is, that, is that a good way for, my, for me to mind map this?
1: I, I think so. And let me just try to take what you said and apply it to some use cases. So a really easy way for the federal government and for us in industry to connect to the federal government on AI is on something called robotic process automation. And that's just simply taking repetitive tasks that machines might be able to do faster and better than humans. Right. And so that so robotic process automation. RPA is a really important use case. It's it's kind of the cost to get into that is not very expensive. And then it allows civilian agencies to kind of get their feet wet with AI. Then there's some other use cases, like in the case of uh, in the healthcare business. Like healthcare business is going to be completely transformed by by bringing artificial intelligence into healthcare, and we'll all benefit from that. Radiology, for example, that progress is already occurring there. There's another area uh, in the case of waste, fraud, and abuse. Right. So in, in the case of waste, fraud, and abuse, the federal government spent $141 billion in 2017, and I think the reported number was about $27 billion in the IRS alone. And in that use case, they have vast amounts of data that machines can work through and find patterns and anomaly detection at a rate that's much faster than humans. And so really important to AI is vast amounts of data. And the federal government, as the largest producer and consumer of data in the world, probably only second to the cloud service providers, has this richness in data, but they need help in labeling that data so that these machines could could work on that data to add value into bunch of use cases, some of which I just mentioned.
0: So NVIDIA, my awareness of it, I'll, I'll admit, is really great graphics cards and gaming machines and, and so forth. How did a company migrate into what sounds more, much more like a software-driven business?
1: Yeah, that's a, great, that's a great question. Twenty-five years ago when we were founded, you know, I don't think we were founded on the vision that we were going to add value to the world's progress in artificial intelligence. But what we did do in the beginning is we we built Um, world-class capabilities around graphics and video games. And the parallel processing that relates to processing vast amounts of 3D graphics and video, as it turns out, is similar to what is needed to process vast amounts of data to train these neural networks which is the fundamental aspect of, of artificial intelligence. So our GPU is kind of at the heart of the world's progress in artificial intelligence. We came out with that 20 years ago for graphics and video games. And then several years after that, we came out with a programming model that allowed, I kind of say is mere mortals, to access the hardware. So once we, gave, once we gave engineers and data scientists around the world ability to access the GPU or graphics processing unit, We found breakthroughs beginning to occur in the area of artificial intelligence. And literally, that window was around 2012. It's acknowledged in the industry. In 2012, there was some breakthrough work in computer vision that literally accelerated the world's progress on artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And here we are seven years later making a ton of progress.
0: It is um, interesting to me how that story bears out something that I feel really strongly about, which is that all the focus we have in our society on entrepreneurial behavior in the startups loses that most people like yourself and your colleagues are actually entrepreneurial within an existing organization, entrepreneurs building new products. Uh, You've had a long career working in government, selling into government, working in education. What's your view of of innovation sourced by big company? What does a large company have to do well in order to be innovative?
1: Well, that's interesting. So if if I did it from the answer to the question from the perspective of NVIDIA, um Jensen Wong is our CEO and he's he's just almost brilliant beyond description and the way that he manages our company it's as we're as if we're a bunch of startups inside of Nvidia. So Nvidia's you know thirteen thousand employees, thirteen billion in revenue. But the way we operate, and so I have responsibility for the public sector, and as we look at this public sector marketplace, we act like a startup inside of this big company. So I think that our company is, uh, we're agile, we're nimble, we're flexible, we move fast. Um, we think a lot about innovation. We challenge, you know, we challenge the customer. We challenge our federal government. In the case of artificial intelligence, the, the, while the government is moving faster than they have in other technology um, adoptions, we think they need to be moving faster, right? So um, so I think because of how our company operates, uh, we do a good job. Acting like a startup, and I think that I think we add value then to the federal government's mission. We also work with startups, so we have an Inception program where we work with five thousand startups who are doing work in and around uh, artificial intelligence and accelerated computing and graphics and the like. So, so we try to support the startup community or the innovators. We act like an innovator ourselves, and I think therefore, as we face our customer, you know, we kind of give them that innovative spirit. I think that. Brings me to something that's been scratching
0: my head about, you know, I hear that, what, 70, 80 percent of the government IT spend is on maintaining legacy systems. You know, I remember a couple of years ago reading a story about how there were still eight inch floppy disk drives and miniman silos, which terrified me in a very deep way. But uh, how is it possible? How did the Obama administration and Trump administration, are they creating models that make it easier for government to innovate or is it really still the outside, the, the private sector Pulling folks in innovation.
1: Well, I think it's some of both. And uh, in, in the case of artificial intelligence, the, this this is the ability for us to be good in service to the federal government requires us to play the greatest team sport we've ever played in participating in the transformation in the federal government, because higher education and universities have to play a role. The innovative commu- innovation community, startups have to play a role. Defense contractors and large systems integrators have to play a role, as well as the federal government. The federal government cannot outsource the work that they need to do in AI because they have to participate. The the transformation itself is so big, they have to have subject matter expertise in this this area. So civilian agencies, Department of Defense, the intelligence community, systems integrators, startups, defense contractors, universities all have to come together together. To figure out how we can help our government accelerate, so that they can provide, you know, so we can go address this AI for good and improvement of citizen services, and and so it's a, it's a it's a giant team sport. Now I think the government's doing a pretty good job here. Um, in the case of the Department of Defense, they re, they released an AI strategy. The Air Force has released an AI strategy. SOCOM's released or is working on an AI strategy. The intelligence community has published a the document. Their aim: augmenting intelligence with machines. It's publicly available. The executive order, as I mentioned earlier. So I think the government is doing a pretty good work, uh, amount of work um, projecting to industry some of the needs that they have. And I think it's incumbent upon us to make sure that we do a good job listening and then crafting strategy that we can support this marketplace.
0: Anthony, I, your excitement's palpable, which is always fun to have a guest who's excited about what they do. What's the coolest thing you've seen over the last year or two in in AI using your company's technology or elsewhere where you thought, oh, my God, I'm living in the future? There's
1: this statement that often gets made that if we have kids and grandkids, you know, that they actually will never have a driver's license, right? And so so the work that's going on in autonomous systems, the, the transportation industry as a whole is a $10 trillion market opportunity that will be transformed by artificial intelligence as a result there's a lot of early work going on in autonomy and autonomous systems so there's there so people look at that and, and they say okay you know we're gonna have you know autonomous things like helicopters and cars and you know our kids may not have a driver's license or if they do it'll be just to put it on the wall and make fun of mom and dad you know kind of like what we used to have in in uh, phone booths and, and like so um, the, the other thing that's really interesting is this AI uh, transformation that's underway, it's almost not, in the case of the federal government, it's almost not about the technology any longer, although it is. It is about change and transformation. And in many cases, that's about people adopting something new. And in the case of artificial intelligence, right, there are, you know, people will have concerns about ethics and security different use cases, which, you know, which we're all aware of, the question, and as we face the federal government, we talk to them as much about how do they lead change and transformation as it relates to artificial intelligence? Because the technology has proven itself in use cases in most countries in companies all around the world at a rate that was probably not forecasted.
0: Well, thanks for coming in today and sharing some of your enthusiasm from a government perspective around AI. Anthony Robbins, VP, North American Public Sector, NVIDIA. Thanks for joining us. Thank
1: you for having me. Our
0: executive producer is Tracy Madigan, and our web writer is B. Aldrich. Music provided by two local bands, The Sunbathers and my own band, Two Car Living Room. A special shout-out to Marymount University's School of Business and Technology. I'm the dean there now, and we are working hard to help our students master business and technology so it doesn't master them. Check us out at Marymount.edu. And, of course, thanks to Active Navigation, Sailflow Shaw, and the Greater Washington Board of Trade who provide the financial support to make this show possible. If you have a story idea, don't forget to tweet us at What's Working DC. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for joining us.